pray as we prepare for God's Word this morning. Let's pray. Father, as we come before You this morning, may we be encouraged in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for Michelle's family that You would just encourage them, help them to see Your grace and Your love. Lord, help us as her church family to, uh, to be an encouragement to them. Lord, we pray for Your Word this morning. We pray as we look at the life of Daniel, recognize that You are in control and we can trust You. Lord, may You be glorified as Your Word is shared. Lord, may nothing detract us from the principles that You have. And may it be more than simply a, a book to study and a story to learn, but life-giving principles to follow. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're continuing on in Daniel, in Daniel chapter 2. And over the next several weeks, we'll be looking at a chapter each week and looking at the story and then how should it affect us. This morning, as we look at Daniel chapter 2, we realize the importance to dare to trust that God is in control. You know, each and every one of us struggle with doubt. And where does doubt come? Doubt comes from a lack of trust. Maybe you uh, doubt a source as you read something and you, you doubt it because you don't necessarily trust that that source is accurate. You may doubt a friend or a, a relative if you don't trust that they're going to come through and do their part in the situation. But we even doubt God when we don't trust that He will be there for us. Maybe something in our life that seems overwhelming and, and we question whether God is there or whether He will step in in whatever that situation would be. But Daniel could dare to stand. Why could he dare to stand? Because he trusted that God was in control and he could rely on God. He didn't always know the outcome. But he knew that God was faithful and that God would be there with him through the situation. And we see that story continue in Daniel chapter 2. So we'll go through the story and then we'll look at how that affects us in our lives today. We see the story begins with a crisis in the first 13 verses. We, we sort of lay out the crisis. It was a crisis for the Magi, the wise men of Babylon. And now that group included Daniel and his three friends. They'd been going through a training period to be part of this group of magi. And now Daniel and his friends, not being up in the upper tiers of the magi and basically just being in their training period, heard about it later. But it was a crisis for them as well as all other wise men of Babylon. And it began with a request from Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar had a, a dream and he asked for help from the wise men. And we see that in the first three verses. Follow along as I read verses 1-3 through three of Daniel chapter 2. It says, Now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. And his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Then the king gave the command to tell the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. 
So they came and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I have had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. So Nebuchadnezzar had had this dream, and evidently he had this same dream multiple times, and it was causing him to lose his sleep. And when the king lost his sleep, he became grumpy. And when the king was grumpy, it wasn't good for anyone. And the king wanted to figure out what this dream meant. So in verse 4, the wise men were called and asked him to share the contents of the dream. And then they would tell him what it meant. However, there was a twist. Because the king decided that, that he wanted them to tell the meaning of the dream, but he was going to test them a little more and he wasn't going to tell them the contents of the dream. They had to not only come up with the interpretation, but they had to share, King, this was your dream and this is what it meant. And, and their response was, we can't do that. No man can do what you ask, King. No man can tell you not just the interpretation of the dream, but, but the content of the dream itself. It's your dream, it's not our dream. And, and we don't know exactly why the king raised the stakes on what he was calling them to do. Maybe he was doubting them. Have you ever had a dream and, and you're like, oh yeah, well maybe that meant this. Maybe it meant you shouldn't have eaten pizza the night before. But uh, whatever, you know, oh yeah, well, you know, okay, I know this is going on in my opinion. Maybe he thought, okay, they're just sort of coming up with something that seems like it sort of fits with it, but I don't really trust that they're telling me the truth. I doubt it. Maybe he couldn't remember it. Now, I, I sort of doubt that one because when Daniel, as we'll see a little later, was able to share, the king was like, yeah, that's it. But, but that could have been the case. Maybe he thought they were getting a little too powerful. And so he said, you know, I'm going to sort of still show them who's in charge. So we have this twist and we see in verses 5 and 6, after in verse 4, the, the wise men said, nobody can do this. In verses 5 and 6, the king responds and he says this, the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces and your houses shall be made an ash heap. However, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. Not only did he raise the stakes and what he was expecting of them, but he said, hey, if you, if you tell it to me, you're going to be well rewarded. But if you don't, you're going to be killed and your houses are going to be destroyed. There's going to be a lot of bad things happening to you and your family. So in the next verses, we find that the king starts to send the executioner around because the, the wise men that were there and called in had no clue what the dream was. And so he sent the executioner to go around and starting to kill these wise men, these magi of Babylon. And they come to Daniel. 
Now, Daniel and his friends, as we saw last week, had been going through this training, and, but uh, they weren't like the first on King Nebuchadnezzar's speed dial. So they sort of heard about it when the executioner showed up, saying, hey, guess what? Yeah, you guys are magi in training. You're part of the group. You're going to be done. And so we see that... Uh, the dream was revealed to Daniel in verses 14 through 23. And, and we see that, that he went and asked for more time from the king, but then he asked for God's help. And we see in verses 16 through 18, it says, So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time, that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Again, we know him as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. His companions that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning the secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Now if you go back to the verses before verse 16, you see when the executioner came that Daniel spoke with wisdom and with tact. And when he found out what was going on, he asked his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to to go with him as being part of a prayer team asking God to reveal the dream to Daniel. And so these four young men prayed for God's wisdom and God to reveal the dream. And then when God did it, Daniel praised God for his help. Notice verses 19 through 23, a very powerful prayer that Daniel gives to God. It says, Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision, so Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His. And He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with Him. I thank You and praise You, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might and have made known to me what we asked of You. For You have made known to us the King's demand. You notice Daniel's focus. His focus wasn't on himself. His focus was all on God. Now I want us to spend just a moment here and, and think about what we would have done. I don't know about you, but my first thought was, this isn't fair. God, here I am. I'm striving to follow you. We already had the chapter 1 episode where, where we stood, the four of us stood and said we wouldn't eat the king's meat, we wouldn't defile ourselves, we would honor God following the Jewish law. And we did that. And it seems like, God, every time we follow You, there's something else. But instead, Daniel graciously asked the king for more time, and then he went before God, trusting that God was in control. Confident that although Daniel didn't know the end of what would take place, he could rely upon God. 
And then when God revealed the dream, the first thing Daniel did was praise God. And gave God the credit. Think about some of these things he said about God here in this prayer as he responds as God revealed the dream to him. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and might are His. He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with Him. And then he goes on in verse 22 and thanks God for providing the answer to the dream. God is the one who has the wisdom and the might. He's the one who gives wisdom to men. He is the one who reveals what's taking place. And he thanks God. So then we see in verses 24 through 45 that that he goes to Nebuchadnezzar and he explains the dream to Nebuchadnezzar. And he gives God the glory. And, and, And we read this, but we don't really grasp the boldness of Daniel, what he says when he goes before the king. Beginning in verse 27, it says this, So Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. If you go back to verse 4, these wise men said, King, what you're asking of us, no man can do. And that was exactly right. And Daniel was agreeing, no man can ask or can do, King, what you ask of us. However, it does not stop at the end of verse 27 because verse 28 says, But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while on your bed about what would come to pass after this. And he who reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. But as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living. But for our sakes, who make known the interpretation to the king, that you may know the thoughts of your head. Two times he uses the word but. First one is, no man can do what you're asking, but there is a God of heaven. And then later on there in verse 29, I can't reveal. It's not because I'm smart, but God has revealed what will take place. Daniel gave God the glory. But why was that such a bold statement? Well, he stood before King Nebuchadnezzar who was the most powerful man in the world. A king who considered himself deity. And Daniel was not just saying, yeah, I and the other wise guys can't do this, but king, you can't either. Only the real God can reveal what you need to know. He was challenging King Nebuchadnezzar to recognize that 
the king didn't have all the power. Just like Daniel, just like the wise men, no one had the power except God. Why could Daniel do that? Because Daniel trusted that God was in control. And so then we're going to go through and just give an overview of the next section of verses, the explanation of the dream. And we have a picture up here to help us understand it better. And it was a statue that Nebuchadnezzar had in this dream that he had evidently many times and is keeping him from sleeping. And the statue was made of four different metals. The, the head was made of gold. The arms and chest of silver, the upper legs of bronze, and the, and the lower legs and feet of iron, and actually the feet of iron and clay. And it was a picture of the kingdoms of this world. And if you look at history, and, and as Daniel was looking ahead, and other passages in Daniel explain even more specifically some of the, the strengths and weaknesses of these four different kingdoms, but we see the gold representing Babylon. Babylon, the kingdom that Nebuchadnezzar ruled over at that time. The world power of that day. It was a very wealthy kingdom. In fact, the hanging gardens of Babylon would be one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And Nebuchadnezzar, a very wealthy man, wealthy king of a very wealthy kingdom. And then the silver, the two arms representing the Medes and the Persians, a Medo-Persian empire that, that in, I believe, 539 conquered Babylon and became the next world power. And then after Medo-Persia, the Greeks, Alexander the Great, the Bronze, and then Iron being the Roman Empire, and then the feet of, of iron and clay being the renewed Roman Empire. And we see even pictures of end times in that picture with the ten toes and the kingdom that comes up that uh, goes against Christ in the end times. But then with that also, this stone that comes and, and smashes the feet and the whole statue is destroyed. But that stone, it says it was a stone not made with hands. The idea of it being God. And Christ, that stone that comes to, to rule and reign forever. And we see the, the pictures of end times and, and a couple very basic foundational principles that we must recognize. The world powers, while at the time they seemed to have incredible power, including as Daniel was sharing with Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian Empire, but yet not all powerful and also temporary. They would be for a season and then they would lose their power. But that stone being Christ and the kingdom that will not end, that will be all-powerful. And it says that out of that comes a giant mountain. And if you look through Scripture, mountains are oftentimes a picture of kingdoms. And this kingdom is a kingdom that won't be destroyed. 
It will be an eternal kingdom that Jesus Christ leads. And, and so all of these world powers, though at the time they seemed so powerful, they were controlled by God. And Daniel could recognize that he could trust God because God was in control of every situation. God raised up kings as, as Daniel prayed there in his praise to God in, in verses 20-22. through 22. And, and he, God raises up kings and takes down kings. And God raises up kingdoms and takes down kingdoms, but it's God who's in control. But oftentimes, we like to think that we are in control. We trust ourselves or we trust our kingdoms that we set up. But we must recognize that we are finite and that we are hopeless without God. And so, Daniel describes the dream and its interpretation to Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar is amazed and we see in verses 46 through 49 that Daniel and his friends are promoted. Not only were the wise men, including Daniel and his friends, protected, but Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were promoted by King Nebuchadnezzar. Notice verses 46 and following. It says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel, and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. The king answered Daniel and said, Truly your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, since you could reveal this. Uh, since you could reveal his secret. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts. And he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. Also, Daniel petitioned the king and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. Now, we have the dream and, and the prophecy that's taking place. I, I want us to focus on the character of Daniel. Because the challenge throughout this whole series is to dare to be like Daniel. And a couple things that, that we see that Daniel did here. We see that Daniel actually protected his enemies. Now we see that later in chapter 6 when, when some of these same people that Daniel protected were the ones that tried to trap him before king in order to have Daniel destroyed because they were jealous of his power. And they were probably some of the same people. Now it was quite a while later, so maybe it was none of them, but I'm guessing there were still a few of them around. But I'm sure Daniel was already feeling the pressure of being not appreciated by some of those Babylonian wise men. Here come in these Jewish upstarts. But yet Daniel was used by God to protect them. But then Daniel wanted the king to recognize Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were given positions in the province of Babylon. See, for Daniel, it wasn't just about him. And, and how does that 
affect me in my life. Because so many times we, we look at these stories, and, and I'm amazed at the Old Testament stories, but I think two things can happen. One is this, we say, well, yeah, that's an incredible story, but we just sort of say, that's a neat story. And the second thing is we say, well, yeah, that happened to them, but, but God could never use me. I mean, I'm not going to be a prince of Babylon. I'm not going to be the head of the wise men. How does this affect me? Well, it affects us just like it affected Daniel because God is working today just like He worked then. And we may never be a prince of Babylon, but God desires to use us in our world today just as He used Daniel then. And a couple things as we think about this morning. First of all, I will be humble when I trust that God is in control. Daniel was such a humble man. Why? Because he recognized it was God who was the one in control and not him himself. It wasn't because of Daniel's wisdom. And he stood before the king and he said, Daniel, I'm, or he said, King Nebuchadnezzar, I'm just like the other guys. I cannot do this. No man can. But there is a God in heaven who can. And this dream wasn't revealed to me, Daniel shared with Nebuchadnezzar. It wasn't revealed to me because I'm so smart. It was revealed to me because the God of heaven chose to reveal it to me to let you know what's going to be taking place in the world in which we live. He was humble because he trusted that God was in control. And just as soon as we determine that we can handle it, we will fail. And you know, it begins with salvation. One of the most difficult things to explain to a person who needs to learn about trusting Christ is the fact that they can't earn it themselves. We try to say, well, you know, I'm a pretty good person. If you go out on the street and you say, so are, are you going to heaven? The most common answer is, well, I think so. Well, why do you think so? Well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good. I try hard and, and God, will, God will see that and God will sort of just let me in. Well, that sounds nice, but that's not God's plan. See, in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, God said that all of our righteousness, all of the best that we have are like filthy rags. They're only good for the garbage pile. But, God made a way. But in order for me to accept that, I must humbly recognize that I can't do it. No matter how hard I try to do good things, I'm not going to meet God's standard. God's standard of perfection of pure righteousness that's only possible in His Son, Jesus Christ, and His sacrifice for us. And it's a free gift. 
It's nothing we earn. It's a gift that He offers as He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. So if you're here this morning, you're watching online, and you say, you know, John, I'm, I'm working really hard at it. Guess what? You're not going to make it. I'm not going to make it on my own. You're not going to make it on your own either. It's only the free gift of Jesus Christ. So if you're here this morning and you say, you know, I've been trying hard to be good, you must trust that God is the one who's in control, not you. And you must pray and ask Him to be your Savior, to forgive your sins, and to come into your life and to save you. That's what it means to be saved. That's what salvation is all about. It's not being better than my neighbor or helping an old lady across the street. It's about trusting Christ. And that takes humility because I must say I can't do it myself. I'm hopeless without God. But for those of us who follow Christ in humility, we must, like Daniel, recognize that on our own we can do nothing. And we must trust Him for everything and thank Him for all that He has blessed us with. But not only will I be humble, but I will be bold when I trust that God is in control. Why could Daniel stand before a king who could snap his fingers and have Daniel executed? How could Daniel be, stand before a king and say, we're not going to defile ourselves with what you're asking us to do? How could he stand before the executioner and show grace to this man who was sent there to kill him? Because he trusted that God was in control. And although Daniel didn't know the final outcome, he knew that God cared about him and God was in control. And whatever your situation is this morning, whatever deep waters you may be going through, you have a choice. Am I going to doubt Doubt that God cares or doubt that God can do anything about my situation? Or am I going to trust that no matter what takes place, God is in control and I can trust in Him? Daniel trusted God and changed his world. When we trust God, we will be bold in obeying and standing for Him no matter the circumstances we face. Let's pray. Father, thank You that You, as Almighty God, love us, that You care about us more than we can imagine. And Lord, I pray that we would trust in You. Lord, I pray for those who may be trusting in their own works, their own goodness, to make it to heaven, to recognize that that trust must be in You alone. And it's not by works of righteousness which we do, but Your mercy that provides salvation. And Lord, for each one of us, help us to trust that You are in control to be able to stand no matter our circumstances and to humbly be bold in following You. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.